to Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 14. We're glad you came. Welcome home. I didn't hear amen out there. Welcome home. We're glad when you come and sad when you leave. Welcome home. I said, welcome home. God brought you to bless you. Amen. And so we're going to read verse 14. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, the city, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, said the Lord God. And I believe in verse 20, he picks up on that again and said, Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I have said the Lord, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. My title might be provocative and intimidating, and that's not my goal. My goal is to share. I want to preach to you or teach you about the perfect dad. The perfect dad. The perfect dad. Ask somebody, do you have the perfect dad? Say, don't lie to me. <laughs> Tell me the truth. <laughs> God bless this service right now. Bless the word that was just read. Bless the wonderful family that represented here before the throne of grace. We want to leave here better than we came. Lord, with the word of God in our hearts, in our children, in our children, children, and that we spend eternity with you when you come. Help me to deliver your word in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Now, why would God in Ezekiel seem out of place refer to these three men? Noah, Daniel, and Job. And how does it fit the context in which God have used this, these names, Noah, Daniel, and Job. And the Bible know that there's something about these men, they have one thing in common, they're fathers. They are fathers. Number two, they are influential fathers. These men have been through storms. And they came out victoriously. Noah was able to save his entire household. Not just a part of it like Lot. I mean the entire family was saved by Noah. Noah influenced his entire home his wife, his sons, and their wives. That's an accreditation worth celebrating. 
And then the Bible us know that Daniel was an upright man that I didn't even know Daniel got married. I thought he was a bachelor all his life. But the scripture implied that Daniel had a wife. And Daniel had children. We don't read about them. We don't know their name. The camera never turned on them. And all of a sudden we're told he had kids. He had a wife. But what's amazing was parenting and family life did not devalue their walk with God. In fact, these men were primordially the, 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 the epitome of walking with God. The, listen, and Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And the mouse know that as far as Daniel was concerned, there was none like Daniel in the entire world comparable to him according to Nebuchadnezzar. He was so effective and, and effectual that God names spread around the world because in 10 days he proved himself worthy of the ascendance that God gave him. But all the time, he had children. He had children. And if you ask the question, what's so famous about Daniel? A man of prayer. An altar builder. One that stand tall. Everybody's bowing, but he's not bowing. Amen. And it's implicit in this rendering here that, that Daniel was just as effective and effective in his house as Noah was. God did not just lump them together because of uh, curiosity. There's a, a real reason behind putting these names together. And now we come to the name Job. And when you ask any Christian what's the primordial thing about the life of Job, the first thing they tell you, suffering. And I'm going to shock you today and let you know that's not why the book of Job was there and is there. But these men have three things in common. And verse 20, you tell you very plainly, these men influence God for his, their children. And they influence their children to God. And in all three cases, they saved their sons and daughters. Think about it. I don't think any father here would ever like to find himself with the predicament that Abraham found himself with, finding his son on one side of eternity and he's on the other and his son is begging him for a cup of water to cool his thirst from the torment he's ungoing through and he have to say to his son sorry there's no bridge from where I am to where you are I am helpless I can't help you because he did say Father Abraham I'm going to warn you saints right now you be careful how you criticize 
opportunity and privilege that God gives them to you. Amen. Especially for your household. I remember when I first came here, and of course I have not changed. I've, I've been preaching and teaching, and then uh, one of the converts decided to give me an invite to home. So I went to home, and I, they said, we're going to feed you and your wife. And the Lord said, boy, you're in for a setting down here. <laughs> so I waited for the setting down, and when I sat down, then the family made a decision that was suicidal for their kids. It was terrible. And here's this young, hopeless preacher just sat there and listened to it all. As the father stood up after feeding us so well and told us from top to bottom <coughs> how unreasonable I am to expect the sanctification of his children and his wife and himself and how unreasonably it appeared that he said she stopped cutting her hair <laughs> and she stopped doing all this and why don't you give you a whole long list of stuff and now you're trying to tell us that we got to do this and do that basically we're not going to do it and furthermore we're not coming back Make a long story short, they kept their word. And I thanked them for their meal and thanked them for their resolve and said, you know, as far as I recall, Jesus did more for you and me than we did for him. It's not about us, it's about him. And uh, we have to walk worthy of him. And great peace and they that love God's law. And nothing from the Holy Writ shall offend them that belongs to him. You belong to God, you will hear the voice. But if you're not his sheep, you will not hear his voice. And so they walked off. Long story short, next thing I know, the boy they put in the church commit murder in a gang war. Put him out of church. Put him away from pastoral influence. Pull him from a godly environment and stuck him in an environment of sin. And that was more tolerable to them than making adjustment for God. And then I heard he ended up in a mental institution. That's not the only time. I could tell you more stories after stories after stories where decisions were made that the parents made and the children teeth went on edge but the Bible always is there as a standard of reference that pastors can turn to and say it's not my doctrine it's not my writing it is the word of the Lord and it must be delivered unadulterated it must be presented without any fear or favor. 
it must present it not based on popularity or the popular <laughs> a sense of our world. I'm going to tell you this morning, a woman can never be a father. No, I don't care what Supreme Court says. He can never be a mother. And she can never be a father. I don't care how many degrees she's got from Harvard. I don't care how many knighthoods she got from the queen. You can never, mother, become a father. And you can never become a mother, father. You cannot replace each other. You can only meet your job description. And that's all God holds you responsible for. Your critique does not make the word of God void. Your unbelief does not make this book of none effect. You have no impact on what I'm saying. I've got more eternal impact on your life than you have on me by your criticism. Because God shall judge every man, every woman for the opportunity they have. So the question is, God, where can I find a manual for take care of babies? God says, I gave you a mother. That's the manual I gave you. Amen. And, and God, how can I find a priest for my family? God says, I gave you a husband. I learned yesterday in Virginia, they got some laws that are on the book, but they're now archaic and outdated, outmoded by culture and time. One of the laws they have on there that fornication was a capital crime. If you fornicate and they catch you, they put you in jail. But they say it's on the book, but it's no longer enforced. Because you don't enforce certain things doesn't mean God approve of what you're doing. Hello? And because the world, you know, popularized by democracy and put aside theocracy and, 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 and do these abominations, it's still abominable to God. Whatever was abomination to God in the beginning, it's still the same today. God's abomination don't change with time and culture and race and people. Hallelujah. Now, you may find a preacher that tells you what you want to hear, but the blind need the blind to both fall in the ditch. But I'm not a ditch preacher. I'm a heaven-bound preacher. Can someone say hallelujah? Yeah, listen to a heavy-bound preacher. I want to go to Jerusalem when I die. Come on, somebody. I don't mean the one in the Middle East. I mean the one in the heavenly clouds. And so God put a book called the book of... Uh, Job. Now, turn to the book of Job, chapter 1. Go there, please. Now, this is better taught than preached. So you have to forgive me trying to do the both at the same time. It's almost incredible to do both. But if you're a father, I'm going to challenge you with a godly challenge. Spare time and read that book. But before you go any further in that book, read the first six verses 
read it over and over and over and over and over and over. And that's the reason why God put this book between Esther and Psalms. Now, you don't know it, men. We're under siege. There's a conspiracy against men. I'm going to tell you why there's more women in church than men. I'm going to tell you why. Because the devil don't want men to be saved. But the scripture written that God of all men to be, but few or no men are saved. The devil hates men. And so Pharaoh said, kill all the male child. Leave all the girls, but kill all the men. That decree is not stopped. Amen. Because men have the capacity to raise a family. Amen. Men have XY chromosome. And they are the determinant whether it's a boy or a girl. Sorry, Ma, that's not you. If you have a pure girl, don't blame them. Don't blame the mom. It's you, you guy. Problem is with you. You got a problem. Amen. And vice versa. But the blood type of a babe is determined by the father. The name is determined by the father. So what do you think that ever should attack? The very thing God gave power, dominion, and authority to. God gave Adam dominion, authority, and power. Amen. And Satan stole it from him and said, these are mine. And if you read your Bible, Satan always tried to destroy the influence of men. Always tried to do it. Now, but Job is an exceptional person. Now, I want to tell you right now, you might think Abraham was the best of a husband. No, he was. In fact, he was one of the worst kind there ever was. I would not tell you to be like Abraham the husband, Abraham, in his life as a husband. Because any man who denies his wife, you don't want to be like him. <laughs> any man who exposes his wife to the sword to save his own skin ain't worth the girl he's got. <laughs> he's not worth her. And Abraham oftentimes put Sarah in jeopardy. Hello, to save his own skin. But a real man will fight for his wife. But here's Job. The Bible said there's a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. This man was perfect, upright, feared God, and true evil. Those are the resume of a perfect dad. Oh, thank you, ladies, for the amen. You men are quiet on me. You're going to mute on me. I told you wouldn't shake my head after all this. I knew you wouldn't do it. Thank God I got it shook before the end of the service. A perfect father is one that is perfect, upright, 
feared God, eschewed evil. That's the first thing God wrote about this man. And then the Bible said he had seven sons, three daughters. Now, mathematically, seven and three is ten. Seven means perfect number. Three means confirmation. And ten means complete. That means he had a perfect, complete family. Oh, my God. I, I see you looking at me saying, Pastor, you ain't got no kids. You can't tell us how to raise kids. You're right. But I can read it to you how it should be done. <laughs> I've had folks told me when I first started here, what does he know about raising kids? He ain't got any. But everyone that listened to me, they came with okay. It's not me. It's not by might nor by power. It's by the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that makes things work. It's God who confirms His word. It's God who makes it happen. It's God who changes the heart. It's God who gives us the right mind, the mind of Christ. It's God who brings reconciliation. It's God who brings reunification. It's God that brings sanctification. It's God that brings glorification. It's God that brought jubilation. It's God who brings even justification. I'm trying to tell someone preaching works. Hallelujah. Job was that kind of man. Don't show what God put the priority of who this guy is. God said, look, man, before I tell you about this guy, accomplishment, first of all, let me talk to you about his walk with God. And then I want to talk to you about his priority, his family. Seven sons, three daughters. Not one of them were fornicators. Not in Job's house. Job, his relationship with God is in verse 1, with his children in verse 2, with his wealth in verse 3, amen, with his spirituality of his kids in verse 4, and verse 5 says he was an altar builder. Now the devil knows, if I'm going to overthrow your house, I got to overcome the strong men of the house. Now my wife is not the strong man of my house. Nor is your wife the strong person of your house. You are. <laughs> she may be the neck, but you're the head. And sometimes... You wish you had a quick neck. <laughs> you turn too much. <laughs> Hello. But you know, to kill Goliath, they had to hit him right in the head. Nowhere else would destroy him. And if Satan's gonna attack this man home, where do you think he should start? His head? Bruise the serpent head and you put him out of business. Man, don't you see who you are? Hallelujah. Praise God. And the book here, the entire book is about Satan wanting to overthrow the home of Job. 
what God was saying to the devil is, Devil, you have all those families under your grip, but you don't have this house. You see, a house is a house, but it may not be a home. But your home can be a house and a home. Job didn't just have a house, he got a home. A home is where there's peace and tranquility and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. And those kids were born hearing mommy and daddy praying, but more so daddy praying. And the devil says, I can't handle that family even alone. Would you believe Job would have been about somewhere about 50 years old or close to 60 when this story is talking about what happened to him? Job would be close to that time. And, and, and the devil looked and seen how Job was careful about his family. He's rich He's powerful, but never so commercialized that he didn't have time to take interest in his sons and daughters. His priority was not his wealth. It was the health of his family walk with God. And if you got lots of money like he did, lot of cows like he did, hello, and cameras like he possessed. It says his entire household was the most powerful, wished, sought after in the East. He was the most richest, powerful man of his day. Do you think the devil would be attracted to that? But somehow, that riches and honor and glory didn't get to his head. Somehow, he could deal with God's blessing. Somebody give him my chart here, please. I want to, I'm going to share something with you, you folks that were not here last Friday. Give it to me very quickly, please. Not many people can enjoy blessing as to live for God. Put in the board here, please. Turn around. Everybody can see. Job, in verse 3, had wealth. Job, in verse 2, had a family. Job in verse 1 had God. And Job in verse 4, your father's fell down now, too busy to take time in finding out what my sons and daughter are living and believing and thinking. And Job was involved with their thoughts, their feelings, and their action. And Job realized that sin is everywhere. Because I believe Job lived somewhere before the flood and at the end of the flood times. When the sons of God were backsliding and they were corrupting themselves with the daughters of men. Amen. And they were going the wrong way. Job said, not my house. Not my house. My sons and daughters are going to live the truth revealed and I will not conceal it from them but I will let them live the same life I've got they're going to live it 
also under my roof. And so what Job did was, Job built an, uh, a beautiful edge around them. An edge of prayer. The Bible said, Job, sons and daughters, were not allowed to run with the boys and the girls of their times. The family tie was so strong that the boys and their sisters Fellowship together. They didn't feel like they were less than everybody else because they weren't mixing with the crowd of the world. They fellowship the brothers and the sisters at a party. And Job says, I will not interfere with their party, but I'm praying while they're partying. And when the party's over, Job called them and questioned them, what did you do? Did you violate the commandments of God? Or did you walk contrary to God? Job was concerned about their spiritual temperature with God. Job was concerned about the holiness of his sons and daughters. He wanted to know that they were living a righteous life. That's a good father. Who is not as caught with his career? But realized the higher calling was to raise up a family that was godly, sanctified, justified by the word of the Lord. And Job would make an inquisition. And Job said, pre-adventure my sons and daughters, while they were happy doing what their stuff in, 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 their, in their revelry, pre-adventure they sin against God. And now tell me, I'm going to have an emergency plan for them. You think by leaving behind an educational account for your kid that's going to save your kid? You think your kid will be blessed because you left behind, amen, some money in the bank? My friend, it will be spent like everything else. Job was laying a, a greater legacy for his kids. He built altar. A family altar. Amazing. Now I don't know who Job Pastor was. I don't know what church he went if he did. But I know one thing. He knew God. And was determined that his children are going to know the God of Job. And walk in the steps of the influence that he laid for them. And Satan sees it. Got everybody else. You know, it takes a real mommy and daddy to tell your kids, you are not like the neighbor's kids. It may be good for them, but not good for you. I will not bring you down to their level. If they're going to be your friend, they must come up to your level. But you're not going down there in the peak sty. They're coming up to your level. That's a good father. Amen. Training a child in the way it should go. That when you get older and you die, you still can live the life of an overcomer. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Nothing more impressive than the influence of parents in the child. And the environment you submit them to. 
that when they become thinkers and developmental uh, decision maker, they can make wise decisions. Amen. The devil sees that. But Job built an altar. Let me ask you a question. Is there a place in your home that your kid knows that's where you go pray? Father? Or all they ever hear you do is fussing with the wife about what they can buy and can't buy. Mm. Job had a place where he built. He influenced his wife, his children, and his employees to be godly. God says he hated evil. He said, well, Pastor Neil, they didn't have cell phone and porn book and video game. Oh, but sin came in many forms. And Job said, just in case my sons are sinning, just in case my daughters are sinning, Father, let me ask you, when was the last time you checked upon the temperature of your kids walk with God? Does it matter if your kids pray or not pray? Do you know what your sons are reading? Do you know what friends they have? Ooh. Do you know what they're watching? Do you know what song they're playing? Do you have the guts and the time to check it out? Are you that bold enough to do it? Or are you permissive? But not Job. Job says, I care, my father. I am the head of this home. I'm not just a meal ticket. I'm the priest of this home. And when Satan come to attack the kids, the wife, the home, the health, and the wealth, and the character of the man, Everything hangs on Job. Job had to be an overcomer. If the family must survive, the man must survive. If the family going to make it, the husband got to make it. He's got to prevail somehow. Because if he doesn't, the family going to be damned. Convert a wife. Just a wife will be saved. Nobody else in the family. Convert the husband and the wife and the kids will be saved. Lord have mercy now. I don't think the folks heard what I just said. Hello. Convert the wife and just the wife will be saved. Nobody else. Because kids aren't going to follow their mom to church. They're watching daddy. They're watching daddy. Daddy pray, we pray. Daddy cuss, we cuss. Daddy lie, we lie. Daddy fuss, we fuss. Ooh. Because he's the head. Daddy transgress, we transgress. Hello? So the devil attacked Job. Because you know, I don't have that family. Now, Job is a man. I read this in the church. That God, when God called people to, to salvation, God says, 
For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a bright future. Question is, am I worthy of this package? Everybody live for God. Experience Job experience. Blessed. Privileged. Prospered. Favored. Have success. Enjoy prosperity. And opportunity always knocks. You don't think that's going to come to the devil's mind? And God one day very facetiously said to Satan, Hey, Satan! Where have you been? He said, oh, I've been running up and down, overthrowing homes, destroying families. They have always done. Because I come to steal and to rob and destroy. That's my job. Now do a good job. God said, ah, yes, you got them all except one family. I'm different. Don't blame Mike Murray for your sins and your problems. Sin is not geographical. Satan is not geographical. It's the heart problem. You can live for God anywhere. Anytime. For the grace of God that brings salvation is more powerful than the devil's wickedness. Just get greater in you than he has in the world. And you're bound to be an overcomer. I'm talking about a godly father who's perfect, upright, and is true evil. Father, you're the answer for your home. Your sons and daughter, they join gangs when you cease to be a daddy. Huh? The mafia call it the Godfather. God and Father. That's what you're supposed to be. That's the God they should know you. That's the father should know. And the only angels they should know should be you, the messenger. Not hell angels. And the only high they should be on is not coke and crack. It should be the most high God. You take me to church, daddy, and I'll go there all the time. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God said, have you considered my servant Job? Well, I have. But I can't touch him. Hallelujah. Because a man on his knees is taller than trees. Goliath is looking at the size of the man. And God says, it's the fight in the man that matters. Brother Brandon, not your father. Satan will be after you. He wants your son. And he can't get him except he come through you. Let's worship God. <laughs> you see, the book of Job was not written about faith and suffering. It's about a man that will sacrifice himself for his family. Hallelujah. He was the true priest in his home. Building altar all the time. The Bible said it wasn't one time. It was his custom. Every time 
He turned around and said, just in case my sin, my sons and my daughters sin, just in case. When last do you, you worry about what your kids are doing? In fact, let me ask you, do you know where your kids are? Let me turn around. Kids, do you know where your parents are? When you can't find Job, he's in the prayer room. When the kids push their heads through the curtain, that is praying, oh God, oh almighty God, my son and my daughters, they may have sinned today, but forgive them. Please, don't hold against them. Oh, oh God, I give you a burnt offering. He's an altar builder. He's always offering sacrifice for them. And God said, I can't ignore it. I wonder if that's where Cornelius got the idea from. Let's worship God. Ceaseless intercession. Never mind, you don't pray for yourself. Do you pray for your kid? Are you concerned about their sinful state? Are you going to offer sacrifice for them? I tell people, don't have kids if you're not going to do the job. Don't have them because they're going to one day curse you for handing them over to, amen, what they could have avoided. The Bible said he was a man of God and a good husband. One who shunned the appearance of evil. Walk and practice integrity. Character void of offense. Fear God with his house. We tell you the sins of America, North America, in fact, in the States, is home without fathers. I did a study one time when I first came here. On the rat culture. You know, rats are not, they're bad people after all. You give, give them a bad rap, but they're good rats. And the studies showed that the rats only mate together, male and female, and they're very loyal in their setting. You heard about Skinner's rat? Uh, but they said, now you take away the male from the home. And isolate him for a time. And then the rogues of this area, rat, rogue rats who don't live anywhere, do what they feel like, were turned loose. And they would badger the home without the father. And they would come after that mother and her kids. And she would fight and fight and fight until she, she got weary. Can't fight no more. And she give in. Because daddy's not coming to give her the support that she needs. She can only tolerate it so long. And now she's at the break point and she cannot fight anymore. All her resources are used up. It was not given for her to fight. The protector of the home is his job. Hers is to maintain it. But now she's in this role and trying to, she couldn't do it. So she gave up. And they said the rogues finally got in among the young ones, the kids, little mice, and pulled them away from the home. 
And they joined the gang of the rogues. And they continued like that. And they used that study to understand urbanization. Urbanization. The hardest thing. I don't want to use any kid in case I get run into trouble here. The hardest thing for a child to break free, you have to find out about his dad before he can help that kid. You may try all you can, but you'll never change that kid until you find out about the dad. And they prove she become promiscuous and the rats become homosexuals. Job wanted his kids to know you're blessed. You're chosen. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. And I prayed for it. And the devil told God just let me loose in his house and I'll prove what I can do. And that's why God turned the devil loose for you and me today to learn that even though Satan visits your home, you as a man can stand and fight because the future of the home defense was not in the hand of the wife because she gave up. She quit fighting. She got tired. She got tired. She said, curse God and die. No one, your wife's going to backslide. If you don't live for God, she's not going to hang in there unless she got fiber of fire. Some do, sometimes, like Abigail. Well, there aren't many Abigails around. Just a few. Let's worship God. I told you I wouldn't shake my hand after you, <laughs> you hear me preach. I know it. I just knew it. You wouldn't shake my hand. But I'm going to shake your heart. Hallelujah. I'm not a hiring, I'm a preacher. I want you saved and your family saved. Pharaoh said, go, but don't take your children. And Moses said, not so. We're all going. We're all going. I'm not leaving my son behind. For the alligator to eat them up. Or for the snake to, to swallow them up. No. They're coming with us. Where are you going? I'm going to sacrifice to God. And they're going to be a part of the worship. Come on fathers. Stand with me. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And if you read the story. Job lost his children because they never killed them. He couldn't convert them, so he killed them. And to die in Christ is far better than living sin. Hello. Job created, brother, he created an environment in his home where the kids didn't have to go down to diggers to get their digging. I go see showgirls. They had fun right where they were. They were under daddy's watchful eye. 
And I want you, my daughter. Hey, look at my son. Amen. If I had a girl, I'd have a shotgun too. You touch my girl, ain't gonna know what means. Hallelujah. What kind of dad won't defend his girl's virginity? It's a shame when a child wants to live what the Bible teach and daddy won't support it and reduce them into condemnation and then you sneer their conscience. You damage their conscience. They know what you dumped is okay. It's not okay. But just to please you, they do it. And you don't even care that you're hurting their conscience. Dad, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, Daddy? Here's a girl, Jephthah, born out of wedlock. And decided to change the script. And said, my house is going to be different. You can't blame mom and dad in the past. It's going to be different. And Jephthah said, I'm going to be different. And Jephthah made vows. He raised the girl right. Huh? A single father. Most times have more success raising boys and girls than mothers do. Very few single mothers successfully raise the kids properly. Because they don't have the built instinct of authority. Ooh, quiet around here. Where's the door, folks? Lead me out. Bye bye. I'm getting out of here. You don't believe me? It's a proof statistically. Daddy, there's somebody a father, authoritarian. Authority. Moms don't have it. Mom comp overcompensate. But you damage your daughter's conscience. Your son's masculinity. You mess it up. And Jephthah make a vow to God. Listen to his daughter. Daddy, because Daddy came home victorious. You know, I I gave God a, a, a request. And I said, God, if you will do this for me, I'll give the first thing in my house. It's yours. Boy, oh boy, be careful. I made promises to God. He's going to respond, <laughs> and God responded and said, "All right, boy, I'm going to give you what you asked me for, but then I'm going to come back and ask you for what you promised me." And when Jephthah came home. Shot the victory. His little girl came. Daddy! Whoa, I heard about it. You won the war for God. Daddy, daddy, daddy. Oh, daddy, you won the battle. Oh, it's wonderful. He fell on his knees. And he cried his head off. And tears. So he said, daddy, what's wrong, daddy? You just won a battle. 
He said, girl, you've hurt me. You wound me. He said, how, daddy? And then she realized, daddy made a vow. And I am that vow. You know what she said? Daddy, don't change your vow for me. She began to remind him what he taught her. That God was above mother, father, sister, brother, etc. Daddy, don't give up your vow to God because of me. Keep your vow. And the Bible says she made her daddy keep the vow to God at her expense. Well, kids, no more church. You have to go to church tonight. It doesn't matter. It's not important. It's not. Oh, tell the cemetery that. <laughs> tell cancer that. Hello? Hello? Job lived a life of sexual purity. Chapter 31. Let me hurry up here. I know it's getting late. Is this all right, folks? He says, Father's Day, we're picking a father today. <laughs> Come on, folks. Verse 1. Job said, I'm in a covenant with my eyes. Those kids are watching you, Daddy. They're watching what you say, what you live. Don't be a hypocrite, Daddy. Be real. Because they're watching you. This kid heard from Mom and Dad that passed out of two, the two-faced pastor. So the kid heard that from, the little boy heard from his parents. So the kid come to church and follow. Come here, Zachary, come here. I want you to follow me around. And everywhere the guy, pastor go, the kid's following him. And the pastor stop, and the kid look up in the pastor's face. And so the pastor goes to us, and the kid's following him. The kid's, and the pastor says, kid, what's going on? Are you okay? He yeah. Well, you, you've been following me all day. What's going on? He said, well, uh, Mom and Dad say you got two face. Where's the next face? <laughs> He's trying to find the other face. And he couldn't find it. I feel I should stop. I'm, I'm not done. I got to go to Bible study with this. I'm not done. Let's stand. I, I'm just not done. But I'm going to stop. Job is teaching us I must be the priest of my family. I must be the altar builder in the home. I must provide leadership for them to follow. I must protect the home with godliness. I must pray for my children night and day. When I don't see them, pray for them. The preacher does preach for us this week, last week, told us how his kids got saved. They're all saved. Now, he came to the drug scene and alcohol scene, and, and he told me how he was begging bread and was getting gang and everything else. So he figured, my kids won't go through that. He said, here's how I did it. When they're in their bed, I go open the door and say, God, I plead the blood of my kid. Job asked his children, did you sin against God today? And they told him, no. 
But he didn't believe them, so he went and built an altar anyhow and prayed. And the Bible says he sanctified. You know what sanctified mean? Set apart for special treatment. Set those kids apart for special treatment. Daddy, you got the whole world of their world in your hand. Job was the head of his family. When his wife got discouraged and told him to sit against God and die, he says, woman, woman, <laughs> you talk like one of those silly girls over there. You know the impact he had on her? A whole lot. What if he had given in to his wife? Adam did. Cost him the garden. You can't blame your wife for your problems. But she can blame you for the problem. Because you're the one supposed to provide leadership. You're the one to provide grocery. You're the one to provide money and, and stability. It's your job to keep the home right. It's your job to be the leader. It's your job to be the, the priest. It's your job to keep everything good. Because you're the head of the house. Not by brute force, but by your model of lifestyle. Let's worship Jesus. God's talking to somebody right now. He modeled integrity. He was a godly husband. In church, you're going to hear more about this because I'm not done. But every head's bowed right now. Which comes first? Your wealth or your family? For your children's sake, you ought to live right. If for no other reason, if you don't love yourself, we're going to say something again. We have a heavenly father. Did you know I'm a counselor? And the worst thing I could ever mention to a counselee is their daddy. If I ever said, God is your father, you know what they said? Then I don't want him. Because they link their daddy. Think God's like their daddy. If you have not treated your wife right. And you know you're not treating your wife right. And you've abused your wife. And you've misused your wife. And your children are starving for your affection. And they long for your touch. And they long for your affection. And they long for your leadership. Then I'm offering you the life of Job. Even in his suffering. He brought restoration to his wife. To his family. And God blessed him and gave him double portion. And the first thing God blessed was. Give him sons and daughters. God said I can trust you with life. When a baby is born, is God trusting you with a gift? Hallelujah. Who's God talking to right now? Since you won't come, I'm going to ask all the kids to come and pray for their dad. Would all you kids come and pray for your dad right now? Because God, tie up your, your future with your dad.
the future of Jesus Christ was tied with his daddy. Daddy! Don't let me down. Build your altar. Put my name on the prayer list. Sacrifice for me. Daddy! Let me hear you crying. Let me see your tears. Dad, I don't want to see your grim, stoic face. I want to see your tears. I want you to know that you care to your heart. Boys, it's not true that big men don't cry. Jesus wept. Big men weep. If you can't weep, something is wrong with you. Something is wrong with you if you can't cry. My daddy was no whip. But honey, when he got to the altar, he cried. He bawled like a baby. He didn't care who was listening. He cried. When last your kids see you cry? When last they saw your tears? When last they feel your emotion, your affection? Oh, Job. Thank you for giving me guidance. How to be the kind of daddy. Daddy. Little boy said to his father. On a mountain hike. He's climbing up that mountain. He said daddy. Put your foot. In a place where I can see it. Because I'm right behind you. Come on kids pray for you dad. I know the rest of you are righteous dads. But why don't you come and pray for yourself? Come on, dad. The best way to impress your wife is not to build an account, it's to build an altar. The, best way, the way you impress your wife is by building an altar of prayer. Your wife needs to see you praying. I'd rather have a dad who's poor and poor.